This story happened in the summer of 2000 with a man named John Bohannon. He claims he was driving down a dirt road during the daytime west of Three Rivers Campground, near Alamogordo, New Mexico, when he saw a massive bipedal ape-like creature. It was about 2.5 meters tall and went in the same direction as he was driving. John slowed down to examine the creature. He saw that his whole body was covered with short reddish-brown hair, with longer hair growing under his forearms and face. The face of the creature resembled, according to John, a typical Neanderthal. The creature noticed John but did not slow down and continued to move on its own, and then, after about 100 feet, it suddenly disappeared, vanished into thin air. It's like he's just been somehow erased from this reality. John assures us that there were no trees, stones, pillars, or anything else that could hide the creature's body. According to him, everything looked as if the Yeti had entered the invisible wall. The story about the portal was received from eyewitness Larry Kelm and took place in August 1980 near Eugene, Oregon. On this day, Larry decided to go hiking along the old Malala Indian Trail, which connects the ridges of Mount Saddle Blanket and the nearby town of Oak Ridge. The walk went on its own and everything was fine, and then at some point, Larry saw that his surroundings had become somehow blurry, as if cloudy. All the colors had turned gray, although there was the sun in the sky. As if something huge covered this area of the forest with its shadow, the only way I can describe it was as if I was suddenly looking at the world through someone else's glasses that didn't fit my eyes. A jumble of figures that didn't make sense. Then, just as suddenly as it all happened, Larry reports that he seemed to have passed the barrier and that everything around him came back into focus, but now it was night and the wind had completely stopped. Looking around, Larry found that the landscape had also changed. Instead of the fir trees that had surrounded him before, there was now dense, unrecognizable, and wild jungle-like vegetation, and the air seemed thick and depressingly damp. Even though it was now night and there was no moon visible in the sky, he found that he could still see his surroundings, as if an unknown source of light illuminated the space. Then the air was pierced by a continuous high and piercing sound which immediately filled him with an unbearable feeling of dread. It was at that moment that I heard the whisper of gotcha over my right shoulder. I couldn't tell if I heard it in my ears or if it was in my head. I was so frightened that for a moment I felt my heart stop. I opened my mouth, gasped in a huge stream of thick air, and staggered back along the same path I had come here. When I looked back over my right shoulder, I saw a dark, hairy hand reached for my throat over my shoulder. The hand had pale, humanoid ivory nails. The nails looked clean and almost manicured. The thumb was placed lower on the hand than in humans. Both of the creature's arms were long and powerful, and both were covered in thick, coarse black hair. I got a good look at him because the nail of his thumb managed to brush against my neck, but did not break the skin, when I moved back. And then his hand squeezed where my neck had been a fraction of a second ago and left behind as I broke back through the portal. As soon as Larry took a few more steps back, he was back in his normal world, where there was cool mountain air and familiar surroundings again. He saw that the portal ahead looked like an oval patch of shimmering air, which slowly disappeared until it disappeared altogether. Larry then ran to his car as fast as he could without looking back. The terrified man later reflected on what had happened to him and came to the conclusion that it was some kind of interdimensional trap. On the way home, I was horrified at the thought of what would happen if I drove my pickup truck into something like that. It would be a trap in its purest form. Whatever tried to kill me, somehow the portal was hidden from me on the way in, and I didn't really see it until I went out again. I had terrible nightmares for years after that and I still don't realize what happened. My fingers are trembling and the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up as I write this. There is another similar story. 
A certain Miss Montañez was driving in an unknown year on a desert highway east of El Paso, Texas when she noticed the figure of a typical Yeti hovering over a dead coyote on the road. She slowed to get a better look at this strange creature and then saw that the massive form of the Yeti began to smoothly disappear into the ground, disappearing before her eyes, until it disappeared altogether. At first, the woman thought that the creature had hidden in some kind of cave, but when this place was later carefully examined by the researchers, they did not find any caves, tunnels, or something similar here. It is also curious that the coyote carcass disappeared along with the Yeti. What do you think? Are Yeti or Bigfoot some sort of interdimensional creature? I still have no idea what it was. This happened in Tennessee. I was in ninth grade and it was during winter. I loved how cool it looked when the woods were covered in snow. But one day when I went back into the woods, its legs were inverted and its body was very unproportional, really wide upper body with relatively normal but backward legs. My heart dropped and I ran out of there. I went back a couple hours later with my brother and the tracks it left were just lines like it was dragging its feet the whole way. Help identify the entity attached to the women on my mother's side of the family. So, as a precursor, my grandmother's home was originally a coal camp house, one bedroom, one bath, living room, and kitchen. As a child, her father died in the mines he worked in, and they got a large amount of money. They built on the home. Many paranormal things have occurred here. The most troublesome thing that has continued to occur is the appearance of a toddler-sized entity. It does not look transparent or ghostly. It looks as real as me or you. It has bright red hair and a toddler-sized body. What's unsettling is that it has adult facial features. The first time I saw it, I was 14 and just encountering puberty. One day, I was sitting in my grandmother's living room. It was just me and her in the house. In my peripheral vision, I saw it. It crawled from the edge of my vision from behind my chair and just crawled to the center of the room. It stopped in the center and turned its head to smile at me. Then it crawled into a hallway and, upon looking, it was nowhere to be found. Its occurrences follow this pattern. It never speaks, never crawls towards you. Only away. It only happens if there are only women in the house. My grandmother came into the room after I looked for where it went. I know I was sickly white. I cannot explain the feeling that came over me when this happened. I was frozen with pure terror and my mind felt almost clouded with confusion. When she saw me, she said, so you finally saw it. She explained that all the women in the family see it every now and then and that it won't hurt me. She warned me to not approach it or speak to it when I saw it. Just see it and then ignore it. According to her, her own mother saw it as well as herself and my mother. I'm now 21 and don't know a lot about our family history, but I'm wondering if anyone has had experiences with entities of this kind. I know that our ancestry is largely Irish slash Scottish but not much else. The thing only happens in her house, thank goodness. Any information would be greatly appreciated. The time a werewolf I crossed my yard. I know this may sound crazy, but I figured this would be a good place to share my story. It was around 2015 or 2016. I remember it being in the summertime, when the trees and brush were still full and lush. My wife and I live on 12 acres of land in Mount Juliet, Tennessee. The land was mostly wooded with maybe three acres around the home cleared out, with the exception of random space trees. Two acres in the front yard and about one acre in the back. The house was built in 1969 and the state of the home was original to the year, down to the shag carpet. 
We originally moved in back in 2014, and over the years of living there, we gradually worked on remodeling when we had the extra time and money. The land had two small barns on the property that we turned into chicken coops. We also decided to add a sheep. Side note, the home itself always had an unsettling feeling. The basement had a dark, evil feeling with a freezer full of animal carcasses and a gallon bucket full of frozen blood that was there when we moved in. But that's another story all on its own. So over the span of living there, we had problems keeping our chickens alive. We couldn't find how something could be getting in. One day, we got home from grocery shopping in the early afternoon to find all of our chickens dead and spread across our backyard. It didn't make sense. We had that heavy-duty hardware cloth wire cage that was torn like something clawed through it. We were concerned and weren't sure of what to do. After all, we had the sheep to worry about. I began setting out at night and at different times of the day when I had the time. I thought maybe I could hunt whatever it was that was killing our animals, but nothing ever showed up. We kept a close eye on our sheep the best we could, making sure they were well protected. That was until one random morning we went out to feed him and found him out of his stable and lying there in the backyard, not moving. We still don't know how he got out. He had no marks or explanation for what happened to him. The only thing that comes to mind is a fear-induced heart attack. Now onto the sighting. Like I said, it was summertime. I had the windows open because our AC wasn't working very well on the second floor and I was trying to get a breeze through the house. My wife was at work, whereas I was working on putting our laundry away in our upstairs bedroom. I began hearing this deep growl sound and a slightly higher pitch growly sound with it. I couldn't tell what it was, so I stuck my head out the window to listen better. I could hear it coming from the woods on the right side, slowly getting louder as it got closer to being in view. As the sound drew near, my heartbeat sank. I felt fear and dread. I was scared, but I wasn't sure why. That was until it came into the clearing. There it was. This giant werewolf was walking across my front yard. It was walking on all fours. It had a giant canine head, a large humped back, and a long bushy tail, and its fur was thick on its chest and back and thinned out on its legs. Its joints bent like ours as it walked. Its back legs bent like our knees do and its front legs bent like our elbows do. As it was walking into the front yard, I was able to measure it by its walking past a tree. It was at least five feet tall, standing on all fours on its shoulders. So I imagine it being seven or eight feet tall on its hind legs. The slightly higher pitched sound was coming from behind it. Following behind was an identical pup. I was in such shock I couldn't move. I was so frozen by what I was witnessing that I didn't even think to try to photograph it. I guess in that moment I didn't want to miss anything. It carried on across the front yard, going deeper into the woods. I told my wife about it and never saw it again after that day. Also, never go outside without protection after that. We ended up moving out in 2018. I was just wondering if anyone else has had any encounters like this in Tennessee or anywhere? I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The sighting of the strange creature Ukumar took place last week in the middle of the night. The cryptid is known by various names around the world. It is the Yeti in the Himalayas, the Sasquatch, or Bigfoot, in North America, the Sisamite in Central America, and in South America it is known as the Ukumar, or simply Uku. One of the first documented sightings of the Ukumar took place in May 1958, when a group of campers in Rengo, 114 kilometers from Santiago, Chile, reported seeing what they could only describe as an ape-man. Police were called to investigate. They took reports from witnesses, one of whom was Carlos Manuel Soto, who swore he had seen a huge man covered in hair in Cordillera, one of the six provinces of Santiago. In 1956, the geologist Audio L. Pitch found human footprints 43 centimeters long on the Argentine side of the Andes Mountains at an altitude of more than 4,000 meters. The following year, similar footprints were discovered in the province of Salta, Argentina. Not long after, residents of Talor Grand reported what they described as eerie calls emanating from the nearby Kuru Kuru Mountains to reporters at a nightly choir. The screams, which the locals attributed to a creature known as Yukamurzupai, scared the community for some time, and according to anthropologist Pablo Latapi Ortega, the traditions of these giant ape-men continue to this day in northwestern Argentina. The most recent Ukumar sighting so last week, a countryman in the area of Pastadero Chico, Medan, in the south of the province of Salta, had an encounter with the aforementioned cryptid around 9.30 p.m. on Tuesday, April 12, 2022. At night I locked myself up because I'm still scared. I had to go to the doctor because blood was coming out of my nose and I had vomiting and diarrhea. Also, as is customary, I had myself cured of fright. Last night the dogs barked outside and ran away but I no longer wanted to go see what it was, the Bacuiano told local newspaper El Tribuno, identifying the creature as the legendary Ukumar. I know there are all kinds of comments and jokes, but I would never lie. I assure you that I have seen this furry beast, which looks like a large monkey, about 1.70 meters tall. In recent years and for decades, there have been many testimonies from people who say they saw Ukumar in Medan and in the Rosario de la Frontera area. I didn't believe in it, but now I saw it up close with my own eyes, he continued. And the farmer, who preferred to remain anonymous to avoid ridicule, is not wrong, according to reports. In fact, in the last decade, the Ukumar was seen at least 33 times. I had just finished listening to a football match on the radio. It was a quiet night, but then I heard that the dogs were doing a lot of work and charging toward the field. I thought it could be some cow or horse, or thieves who came to steal corn, so I grabbed my flashlight and went to that sector, in the middle of total darkness, he said. The man then went to a path near the house, where he had the strange encounter. The dogs were scared and came right back. When I shined my light forward, I was completely terrified because there was this thing. It was like a big, hairy, dark-colored gorilla. He was walking slowly, he was very robust. He looked where I was, and there I saw his red eyes. Then he went into the bush, he assured the legend of Ukumar the Ukumar is said to be half man and half bear or simply a large bear with some human features, and to live in the jungles of northwestern Argentina, also known as the Yungas. In Bolivia, it is known as Jacumari, and it inhabits the wooded areas of the department of Chuquisaca. 
Both are related to ancient Peruvian myths. According to folklore, the creature dwells deep in caves located in remote valleys. Despite its enormous size, it easily climbs mountain slopes or climbs trees in search of fruit, eggs, or bird chicks to feed on. The mountaineers see it as a protective deity of the hills and mountains who likes to scare lonely walkers. He waits for them in some corner, from where he suddenly appears to them, uttering horrible screams. When he has the ability to transform into any living being, sometimes he imitates the voice of an acquaintance of his victim, calling him to remote places until the unsuspecting walker gets lost in the ravines. Dr. Manuel Lizondo Borda, in Estudios de Voces Tucumanas, Derivadas del Quichua, 1927, explains the Ukumar as follows. An almost bestial, ugly, hairy man who lived in the Tucuman Mountains several years ago was called that, and who occupied a lot of public attention until he was arrested by the authorities. Kidnappings of girls were attributed to him. He also states that with that name, the boys were scared, for whom he meant something like a monster. According to Kala's beliefs, it is a huge monkey that walks on two legs through the forest. The male UCO chases women and the female Yuka men. They always take them to impenetrable places, where they beat them to a pulp. Some authors think that the spectacled bear, Tremarctos ornatus, that inhabits the Andean humid forests could have inspired the mythology behind this particular being. What happened to me in the woods? I'm a child of the mountains, and my hometown was completely mountainous, so I spent most of my childhood running through the forests and stuff. And an event that happened when I was 10 kind of remains unexplained. I was on top of the ridge several hundred feet above my house when I started hearing my biological father yelling, I'm adopted but was allowed to see him frequently. In our very redneck area, he had a very distinctive voice with no accent, so it's really not possible to confuse him for anybody else. His voice was coming from the other side of the ridge, which is a bit weird in retrospect because nobody lived over that way and everybody avoided that area. Even when hunting, we'd go around, the terrain was just too bad to deal with, lots of thick brush and sudden drops. I started to hear him calling my name, so I started to go down anyway. It's not a good area, but I've been through it a time or two during the winter when less vegetation means easier navigation. The voice wasn't really getting closer but it was getting louder and then this feeling of dread washed over me as I suddenly remembered my father was on a business trip to Germany. I've never run so fast. I didn't realize it until I got to the other side of the ridge, but the forest had been completely silent on the other side of the ridge, which never happens unless there are predators around or the wind picks up normally. I'd think I was just getting close to black bear territory or something, but the voice obviously makes it confusing. But unlike a number of stories like this I've heard over the years, the experience didn't really stop me from going into the woods and made me more curious about the other side of the ridge, resulting in occasional expeditions into it, though I never heard or saw anything else, and eventually the mountain itself was destroyed for a new highway, probably around 2008, eight-ish years later, going right through the center of the place where the voice was coming from. The first time was when I was six or seven, and I was too young to listen or become invested. The second time I was told I was about 12, and I knew that I would likely never hear it again I took painstaking measures to transcribe it word for word. I have asked my father relentlessly for years to hear the story again, to no avail. He seems to avoid the topic entirely, as if he is slightly traumatized slash freaked out by it. I have been able to talk with another person who was present at the event. His name is Rose. Both stories, from my father and Rose, match up pretty well, albeit the minor details that both parties remember differently. For the sake of the story, 
We will use my father's first name, Carter. This story is long, so strap in. If any of you have any input or would like to investigate further, please let me know. In 1986, Carter was about 17 years old. During this time, he lived with his mother in Plattsburgh, NY. Plattsburgh was a small college town, and so my father spent most of his time with a small group of friends. During their high school summers, they would all go driving slash hiking to the dense woods of upstate New York, getting closer and closer to the Canadian border. In total, there were six of them, and they all brought various kinds of alcohol and would camp on isolated lakesides for days at a time. One guy in particular, named Rose, became increasingly interested in this one unnamed lake that was practically in the middle of nowhere forest. It would take days to get there, with most of the time being spent hiking. So for their junior-senior summer, they all decided to humor Rose and go to this new lake. Whether this lake was actually unnamed might be a stretch. There are a multitude of lakes in upstate New York and I'm pretty sure most, if not all, are named. I've tried asking about slash finding the lake, but investigation isn't my strong suit. They claim not to remember the name, insisting it was unnamed. There were three girls and three guys, including Rose and Carter, stacking up all the liquor and camping equipment they could get their hands on and heading off to the new lake. According to Carter and Rose, the first day of travel, mostly driving, was largely uneventful. The second day was spent hiking. Sometimes on a trail, sometimes not on a trail. At this point, they are far from any town or city, and the closest thing to civilization they can get are old logging roads or service roads. At some point, they even traveled off of those. It was close to sunset on the first day of hiking. As they were walking single file through the woods, a girl in the middle of the line began freaking out. Screaming, pointing, tearing up. They were on a slight incline, and she pointed down the hill at something no one had noticed. She was freaking out about the shredded up carcass of a deer. Rose recounted to me specifically that the deer was not eaten nor shot. It was simply shredded, as if something had hunted it, then refused to eat it. Rose and Carter decided to go investigate. Upon descending down the hill, they saw something inexplicable. The corpse of the deer was on the edge of a circular clearing. In the center of the clearing was a black monolith. I asked for a better description, and I got something akin to obsidian-like rock statue. It wasn't massive by any means, just oddly placed squarely in the center of the clearing. What freaked Carter and Rose out entirely, however, was the shredded animal carcasses lining the entire clearing. Carter explains to me that he felt as if the animals were trying to walk into the clearing and drop dead on the spot. Rose imagined something dragged the dead animals to the edge of the clearing. The two, freaked out, walked back to the group and explained what they saw. For whatever reason, something they still can't justify to this day, they continued onward to the lake. We really wanted to see the lake, said Rose. Eventually, they actually reached the lake the next day. It was decently sized and oblong shaped. Entirely isolated, no one could be seen on the shores. It was, by both accounts, a very pretty lake. They set up a campfire by the lakeside, and by nightfall, they had begun drinking and eating. Rose and Carter sat opposite each other. Rose had her back to the lake and could see the tree line, while Carter had his back to the trees and could see the lake. It was around 1 a.m., and the fire had died down a little bit. They were telling scary stories, messing with each other, when Rose suddenly got an alarming look on her face. Rose was looking behind Carter, at the forest line. Rose insisted Carter turn around. Trying not to be taken for a fool, Carter knew Rose was just messing with him and told him to F off. 
It wasn't until Rose and others stood up to investigate that Carter turned around. Out of the woods walks a little kid. A little child. Carter says he couldn't have been older than seven. He was wearing a gray hoodie and blue jeans. His hood was up, and he was some distance away, so no one could really see the boy's face. He stopped, just outside of the firelight. Some of the girls in the group immediately went up to him to see if he was alright. No one knew. He could have been hurt or lost. They began asking him questions, and the conversation went something like this. Are you okay? No. What's wrong? Are you lost? I need help. What's your name? Little Steven, can you help me? And so on. Evidently, the group was freaked out. The kid kept asking for vague help, constantly gesturing back into the woods, but some feeling stopped them from following. One of the girls gently pushed him closer to the fire and pulled back his hood. She jumped back. The kid had entirely black, enlarged eyes. I asked Rose if it could have been a trick of the light, as it was night time and the only source of light was a campfire. It was something that everyone noticed, made everyone step back. It was unnatural, he recounts. At this point, the child began asking for help over and over and over again, to which the girl muttered, no, we can't help you. With that, the boy walked back into the woods, no one else in sight. Freaked out by both events, they all abandoned the trip and quickly ditched the lake. This is where things get even more interesting. Fast forward to recently. Once again, I'm begging my father to tell me the story of little Steven, or some other story for that matter. Does anyone have Xfinity cable with that remote that has a microphone in it? You know, you can say, show me the office. And it will pull up the office on TV. Well, I was being a little gnome and messing around with my dad because I'm young, I don't know. I grabbed the remote and said, show me little Steven. No results. Show me a black-eyed child. And then something pops up. It's a movie. The icon shows a little girl with black eyes in the woods, wearing a gray sweatshirt and jeans. My jaw dropped. For years, this had always been in the realm of fantasy for me. Now, it's almost tangible. My father goes upstairs, and I don't see him for the rest of the day. I spent my whole time researching this black-eyed children phenomenon. You guys, it's supposedly something people encounter. Look it up. It's crazy. I don't entirely understand it, but the Google search result explains it the best. Black-eyed children are a contemporary legend of supposed paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of 6 and 16, with pale skin and black eyes, who are reportedly seen hitchhiking or panhandling, or are encountered on the doorsteps of residential homes. I've also read something that claims they try to lure people away, and if anyone follows them, they go missing. There are supposedly still sightings that occur to this day. Does anyone have any input, any possible answers, or questions? I'm just looking for something. This has kind of rocked my world as of recent. Edit. Many thanks for the gold. To those that are irritated and believe the story isn't true, I'm sorry you guys feel this way. For the sake of the story's authenticity, there's not much I can say other than but it's true. The story is written cleanly and in detail because that is how it was given to me by the two men. With lots of detail. If anyone has any questions, I can answer them to the best of my ability. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So this is something that I've kept to myself for two years now. And every time I think about it, the hair all over my body still stands up. Here's some context. My girlfriend and I really like to try and find new hikes in Western Colorado. We decided to try a new trail that was not on the National Monument and was way away from any other trail. It was a good deal of the way out of town as well. Anyway, we were one of the only cars parked at the trailhead, and as we were walking, It quickly got dark. We made it all the way until the moon rose, and I stopped to hug my girlfriend and have a romantic moment. All of a sudden, further down the trail, at least a few miles away, we hear automatic gunfire. Pop pop pop, then silence for a couple seconds, pop pop pop. This was kind of a normal thing for my area. Even though it was not public land, I knew a lot of buddies who would know of many forgotten trails to shoot on hand and not get caught. My girlfriend asked me if I thought they were gunshots, and I told her that I couldn't think of anything else in the middle of this wilderness. We decided it would be best to turn back. We were about two miles down the trail at this point, at the top of a very large hill covered in desert shrubs. As soon as we stopped talking, we realized something was wrong. All of the insects had stopped chirping. There had been dozens of crickets the entire hike up. All of the sounds of nature had completely stopped. My girlfriend was facing further down the trail and I was facing back the way we came, ready to turn back. She looks behind me, then screams and starts to run. I was already scared shitless, but I figured the worst it could be was some drunk redneck about to give us some trouble. I turned and looked where she was, and I immediately ran after her. I have never run so fast in my life. The shrubs were about two feet high in varying spots, and when I turned around, I don't know how to describe it, but it looked like a shadow, even with the moonlight directly shining on. It was almost an absence of light. It was already slowly standing up when I turned around. As soon as it fully rose up, I realized that I was looking up at it and it had to be at least a foot taller than me. It had a very skin and bones figure but it was not human. We sprinted back to my car, still with nature silent the whole way. I was in such a hurry when we ran to my car that neither of us noticed I hadn't had my keys to unlock the car. We were halfway through the drive home when we realized that. Every single hair on my body was raised. And if I'm being honest, 
I've never felt anything like what I did when I saw it. Every fiber of my being screamed to run, and I was almost paralyzed by the fear that washed over me. Does anyone have any idea what it could have been? I have no idea what I saw, but I need to get it out. I'm going to try my best to describe this in a cohesive manner. It's been a few years and a lot has happened since this night, but it's forever in my memory and it's haunting. If anyone has an idea of what the entity is, I'd love to hear it. Also, my description isn't the best. I can possibly try to draw it. But I am scared of putting it on paper. Even telling this story has me shaking. It feels weird to describe it in detail. I had been dating my now ex-boyfriend for only a couple months when I decided to move in with him. I'm going to change my name for the sake of anonymity. Let's call him Tom. So Tom lives on the Cattaraugus Indian Reservation in Western New York. He's 100% Seneca and his family properties on Res land. I'm only 25% Seneca and, because my mom is white, I'm not an enrolled member. Because the majority of my family is white Catholic, I never grew up visiting longhouses or living on the res. He lives on a side road of the major road going through the res called Route 438. One night we got into a super big argument and I was pissed and wanted to get away for a bit. Living with him full time didn't offer me a break when I needed it, and I didn't have a car. So I decided that at 2 am I would say F it and walk out. Anger clouded my judgment and I just had to leave. He kept trying to get me to stay and blocked the door and picked me up and brought me back in, but I was adamant. His concern was that I'd run into drunk weirdos cruising around as I walked into town. I was so angry that I also grew up walking in the woods at night and had never had an issue. So I walk out the door and up the driveway and start heading down his road. Pitch black with brush on both sides, but there were a few trailers his aunts and uncles owned. As I get closer to the stop sign where his road ends and connects to Route 438, I see a light heading towards me. I got freaked out and realized it was a person heading towards me. It is not uncommon for people to be walking the res at night, but as we got closer, I debated turning back. But I was so mad at my ex that I told myself I had to keep going. Suddenly, the person goes, ILYSB 1977? What the hell? And I recognize the voice as Tom's cousin that lives in the trailer behind us. I was so relieved that it was him and not a stranger. We stopped to talk, and he told me he was walking home from a party. I told him me and Tom fought and that I was heading into town to stay with friends. He told me I was crazy and that it's not safe for girls to walk around at night and told me I could stay at his trailer for the night. It sounds more logical than walking almost 9 miles alone. We head back towards the end of the road where the trailers are, and we pass a clearing in the brush where an old driveway was. I looked into the clearing and I can't really explain what I saw. It was so dark, but I could see that whatever this was was much darker. It was a completely black shape of a skinny but massive humanoid shape. It was crouched so its knees were in front of its stomach. But the arms were so long. I'm shaking writing this and I can't explain what it looked like, but I can see it in my mind. I saw it quickly and then looked straight ahead. Three seconds later, I turned to Tom's cousin and said, Did you see that? He said yes and we instantly just took off sprinting as fast as possible. He was faster and I started yelling for him to not leave me behind. We got into his trailer and sat in silence. I think maybe we both saw it and didn't know for sure until we said something to each other. The walk felt fine until we came up on that clearing. Even before I saw it, I felt an ominous feeling and a sense of being watched. The arms were so long that even when crouched or seated with its knees bent, it was able to keep its back upright and. It does not bend its back to make its hands reach the ground. It seems like 7 plus feet tall. 
I have no idea what it could be, and have not experienced anything of the sort ever since that night. My ex would never want to talk about it and told me I was just seeing stuff. But his cousin saw it too. The way he took off was just pure terror. Keep your eyes on the sky. Some of you might have already noticed an increase in luminous atmospheric phenomena at night. Well, expect to see even more of it over the next year or two. The sun exhibits 11-year cycles of activity, and we are currently at the bottom of one of those cycles. Not only that, but having experienced three downward trending cycles, we might be heading into a grand solar minimum. Why is this important? The ionosphere is charged by solar radiation, and when charged, it absorbs X-rays and extremely ultraviolet radiation from the sun. When the ionosphere's charge lowers, this solar radiation can penetrate deeper and produce visible effects. For example, last month, auroras were seen as far south as the Great Plains states. Auroras are caused by the Earth's magnetic field intercepting and sweeping charged particles from solar coronal mass ejections to the poles. But thanks to the solar minimum, we are now seeing auroras extending further away from the poles. We are also seeing an increase in noctilucent clouds. These are clouds formed from high-altitude ice crystals, above the cloud layer. After twilight, when the sun has set at sea level but still illuminates the upper atmosphere, these can be visible as wispy clouds glowing white to pale blue. They are most commonly seen during the summer months. Noctilucent clouds aren't normally seen below 50 degrees latitude about the U.S. northern border's latitude. But with the reduction in UV flux from the sun, due to the solar minimum, resulting in fewer of these ice crystals being broken apart by UV radiation, we have been seeing more of these noctilucent clouds farther south, including around Michigan last week. So, take some time to watch the night sky over the next few months and years, and you might see things that haven't been seen in a while. And if you encounter some unexplained atmospheric phenomena at night, now you might have a partial explanation. This huge roadside wolf-like creature just like the title says, I saw a sort of wolf-like creature on the side of the road. I live in a small border town in southwestern Arizona, and there's not a lot to do around here. So cruising around is a good time killer. My girlfriend and I were out on a date three days ago, and by the end of it, we just cruised around talking and listening to music until about 1am. We decide to call it a night and as I'm driving her back home, we both see this giant four-legged creature on the side of the road with its back to us. Its fur was rough looking and it had this whitish grayish color to it. I immediately thought it was a messed up giant mountain lion since they're not uncommon around here. I slowed down a bit so we could take a better look, and that's when it turned around and faced us, and that's when I knew we were dealing with a whole new different thing here. It had the most ferocious and terrifying face I've ever seen. It had a long snout, just like a wolf. It had its mouth open and we could see some big and sharp looking teeth. It was hunched over, making its back seem like a mountain, and its fur was standing up just like a cat does when it's scared. With the lights of the car, its eyes seemed to glow red as well. After seeing this, I stepped on the gas and got the hell out of there. My girlfriend and I were in shock for a while until I asked her if she saw that thing or if I was just going crazy. She confirmed and gave the same exact description of the creature. After a bit of digging around, I found out that the only type of wolf that was once found here is the Mexican gray wolf. They are critically endangered now and were extirpated from around here a long time ago. That type of wolf can only be found now in southeastern Arizona and southwestern New Mexico. The sheer size and appearance of this thing rules out coyotes and dogs entirely. I am amazed and a bit worried as to what we witnessed that night. What could this thing be?
My mom said she saw a giant figure with white glowing eyes in front of the porch. The porch was about four to five feet in height, and I think it was four to five feet taller than the porch. She said that she didn't notice any features because all she focused on was the very noticeable eyes. Then my sister said she woke up in the middle of the night to see a pair of red eyes looking through the window. It was about the same height as the one my mom saw. The red eyes were bright enough to be seen through a curtain on the window. There were also reports of a dog-like creature walking around on two legs. So I think it might be a werewolf or the Kentucky Dog Man because it did happen in Benton, Kentucky. I'm not sure, though. Can any of you help me get a better understanding of what this is? What could it be? A dog walking on two legs encounter first of all. It happened in North Spain. It was approximately six in the afternoon. Me and some friends from the area were having a good time walking from the forest to the village where we were staying. A friend and I got ahead of the rest, and when we were about to reach the end of the forest path, which is a hill, really, we saw something that looked like a person bent over picking up rocks. At first we thought it was one of our friends who had taken a shortcut, but when we got closer we saw that it was just a dog. My friend thought that it was very funny that we had mistaken a dog for one of our friends, and he ran up to tell the others about it, leaving me alone. I got a little closer and the dog turned towards me. It was quite large, I wouldn't dare say it was a wolf, but surely a cross between wolf and dog, which apparently is very frequent in the area. Next, the animal got up on two legs, walked in a similar way as a man would, and disappeared into the undergrowth and trees surrounding the path. No one believed me. My friends had had some beers in the forest and they thought I was drunk. Some days after this, I went back to the others with another friend, she was Spanish and from the zone. We were into each other and we were sharing a moment. Suddenly she turned really pale and seemed scared, I'm ugly, but not that much. I asked her about it and she said that she thought that she had seen a big black dog. I told her about my encounter and she got kind of nervous and said that it was late and we should leave. We never met again after that. Either it's a very strange coincidence or the perfect excuse not to spend the day with me. I did some research and there are a lot of werewolf stories in that area, but I'm not quite sure about it. Do you have any idea what it could be? 
We'd been on the topic of the paranormal slash cryptids when we began discussing Navajo slash Southern Paiute skinwalker lore. We were about an hour into that topic and about a quarter into the fifth I had, swimmy but not quite drunk drunk, when we began hearing a faint but distinguishable pitter-patter directly outside the window, pacing back and forth the length of the side of the house. We were buzzed enough to semi-dismiss it until we began to hear hyena-esque cackling. At that point, we figured that we had attracted one to us by speaking of them, which is a staple of their lore, so we decided the best course would be to not acknowledge it and carry on with our conversation until it left. The paw-like pacing and cackling continued for another 45 minutes or so, and eventually stopped. Neither one of us was willing to open the blinds or go outside until the morning, but when we woke up and went outside, not only did we see dog prints lining the dirt directly outside of the windows, we saw a set of abnormally large human-like footprints that ran from near the carport to the center of the yard before the track stopped dead, and each footprint was smaller and less imprinted. To this day, we are positive that we attracted or summoned a skinwalker. Even if that's not the correct cryptid, I know for a fact that there was something outside of the house that night. My friend and I were exploring an abandoned house. Now, this house was from the 1930s. Normal, right? Well, this house is in the middle of the woods. There are no roads for miles. So someone would have had to walk all the way out there and build this house. Now I know it's possible that the trees grew over time, but it's still really spooky. Back to the story. I and my friend found the house, and me, being the dumb kid I am, decided to go inside. My friend, however, stayed behind in case I got stuck so they could go and get help. The vibe from the house made my knees weak, and it had this eerie stillness to it. There was almost nothing in the house, and all the windows were broken. It had two rooms downstairs, and I made probably the stupidest decision ever. I decided to climb up the rickety stairs and go into the singular upstairs room. I reached the top of the stairs, and there was an extremely old baby crate with a single shoe in it. I'm not one to get scared. Sure, the vibe from the house made me uneasy, but seeing the baby crate and shoes made me feel sick to my stomach. I then looked at what appeared to be a fireplace, and I swear to this day, there was a girl standing there. She looked about 15 and had a nightgown on. Her hair looked like it was soaking wet and her eyes were sunken into her skull. I nearly fell down the stairs while running, and once I got out of the house, I started screaming for my friend to run. We didn't stop running until we had got back to our cabin. I haven't told my friend anything about it. All they know is that I got spooked and ran. You can believe what you want but I know what I saw. I went into an abandoned house in the woods and saw a ghost. Hi all, I know it's been a while since I've updated and told any stories. The good news is that I am alive. As soon as the skinwalker things hit ahead, they fell silent again. Of course, much like many families right now, mine experienced a tragedy. My aunt, the one who believed mine and my cousin's sightings, passed away under odd circumstances. I'll talk more about that later on. I just wanted to let everyone know I'm still here. On with this story. This involves me, my friend, who I'll call James, and my other friend, who I'll call Quinton. We have been friends for a couple of years and have done several stupid things that if I were alone I wouldn't dare do. My GF says it's because when we are all together we share one brain. And I'm inclined to agree. This happened two years ago in a fight at the end of summer. We had been swimming in the park and had wound up on a very desolate trail. There was one there, but just faintly. 
This area gets traffic because of the ruins of an old cabin that settlers built ages ago. But no one ever goes up the hill as it is very steep. My friend James has been here before and he said it was very spooky when he went. So we thought that it sounded fun. We hiked for about 10 minutes from the ruins of the cabin to where James said the cemetery was. We had just swum, so I was wearing river shoes and a bathing suit, and they were wearing the same, so not really for this kind of terrain. We eventually got up the hill and the thick brush instantly led into a bald. If you don't know what a bald is, it's basically a part of deep wood that has no trees growing on it. Their landmarks hikers usually go to. The cemetery was small, maybe about 15 tombstones and many smaller ones claimed by the woods on the side. Many graves were marked with a year, like they just said 1804 or 1799 or things like that. There was only one name eligible on any of them, and it was for a four-year-old named Isabel. On one grave, the one in the dead center, there was an old copper picture frame, and I mean really old. It was hard to pick up and had numerous scratches and chips in it, but wasn't faded or green. In the frame there were bits of broken glass and a black and white photograph, long since faded away. I don't know why I did what I did next, but I couldn't stop myself once I started. I picked it up to have a better look at it. As soon as I did, all the usual summer sounds of the woods, cicadas and bird calls, just stopped. It was so noticeable that both my friends looked worried and looked at me. Great, thanks. Now we're cursed is all I heard, and still hear from time to time. Over the next couple minutes, we nervously joked and looked around the spot, but it started getting dark, really dark. It was only around 3 or 4 in the afternoon, so this greatly worried us. We decided to leave and headed back down the trail. Every now and then we would hear the groan of an old tree and the snapping of a branch. It was enough to get us moving faster, and I swear, out of the corner of my eye, I saw something in the tree. I started to nope out of there when James, who was in front of us, just stopped. We could see the road through a clearing of trees up ahead as we were right at the ruins of the cabin. He looked to the side of us and turned white. I'd only seen him scared twice in the 10 years I'd known him. Once when we were hiding from people on private property and once when we got stuck caving. So seeing him scared freaked me out. The next thing I knew, he bolted and we followed closely, just running out of the trees. We hit the gravel road covered with scrapes and bruises from running through brush, and he rushed us along. As we got closer to our cars from the woods, the sky started to get lighter, and by the time we got back, it looked like it was 4 in the afternoon and not 8 or 9. I've asked James what he saw, but he has been very nervous about it. All I know is that I felt watched and didn't want to go back there. I did, however, mainly because I'm stupid. We went back for Halloween last year and more things happened, but not nearly as bad as last time. Hey guys, I just had an encounter that I'd like to talk about. I was out for a drive this evening through some back roads outside my small urban town at around 10.30 PM. I've driven these roads dozens of times before and I've never had an issue. Until tonight, that is. Just as a preface, there are few to no houses along these specific roads, and there's never any traffic, so it's very isolated. So I'm cruising around the twisty roads, enjoying myself and kind of in my zone, when I come over the crest of a right turn that goes up a hill, which then sweeps down into a flat left turn, which has a guardrail along the right side of the road. As I crest the hill, I was going fairly slowly, 40 to 50 as there are often deer and opossums in the area, I notice a moving figure along the guardrail. I begin to slow some more, as I figure it's a deer and don't want to hit it. But as I get closer, I realize it's not a deer. It looks like a man. At this point, 
I'm barely moving, just creeping forward as I get closer to it, and I realize it's a man who's crouched down in a sort of Slav squat, and he's now turned around to look at me. In my headlights, the first things I notice are, he's not wearing any clothes, save for a pair of tidy whiteies or an adult diaper. His eyes are oddly large for an adult man, and completely brown or black, and his skin is ghostly white. As I approached, I turned my brights on and he didn't even flinch. By now, I've completely stopped and started to reach down to get my phone, as I wanted to take a video. This was a huge mistake. I looked away for a split second to grab my phone from the passenger seat, and as I'm starting to look down, he starts sprinting. At me. He's running directly towards me. He gets up to my window and starts screaming. Not just like a man yelling, but like all the rage he's ever felt is coming out at this moment, and it's directed at me. He starts pounding on the window with his fists, all the while screaming his head off. This lasts for about three seconds before I throw it in first gear and peel out, though it felt like a whole minute. As I'm accelerating, first gear in my car takes me to 40 miles per hour. I look in my rear view and realize he's keeping up with me. It's not until I get it in second, then third, and take it up to around 80, that I can no longer see him. He was running at inhuman speeds, trying to keep up. I flew the rest of the way home, afraid to stop or look in my mirrors. I got into the driveway, ran inside, and typed this up. I have no idea what I encountered, but I did, and I hated every second of it. I'll be finding other routes to take when I take nighttime drives in the future, just to be sure I don't meet him again. Edit. It seems there's some confusion as to how fast I perceived the guy was running. I wasn't trying to imply he was running upwards of 50 miles per hour, though I can see how it reads that way. I would say around 20 miles per hour max, as I started to pull away as I accelerated. 